Hi everyone and welcome to eTalmud 2.0. We are in um, Chagiga and we are going to start from the very bottom of 20a. Um, so Chaf Amr Aleph, two lines from the bottom. And we're analyzing that first case that we mentioned earlier where how we said that um, that if you stop guarding an article of uh, or a food or something, then um, we assume that it becomes tummy. We assume that it becomes <gasps> impure. And one of the cases that we had mentioned was the case of Rabbi Yonah's son Ben Alazar, that if you drop your shawl and another person retrieves it for him, then it becomes tummy. So now we're going to ask Ella li Rabbi Yonasan ben Elazar, but according to Rabbi Yonasan ben Elazar, why don't we say that the owner of the shawl does, is guarding it while it's in his friend's hand who picks it up and returns it to him? And why therefore do we assume that it becomes impure or tummy? Amr Biochran or Biochran responds, Chazaka in Adam Mishamir Mashabiyad Chabero. There is a Chazaka, there is a legal presumption that you do not guard that which is in your friend's hand. And now maybe you'll say that the person, the, the friend, uh, the person who picked it up, maybe he guards it while it's in his hand. Now that we will not say because the assumption would be is that he would say, oh, the owner of the shawl doesn't know if I am tummy or not, does not know if I myself am impure or not. Um, so my, So he's not gonna be relying on my guarding. So he will not end up guarding it, and the owner isn't guarding it because of this legal presumption that you don't guard something that's in somebody else's hand. But then we say, wait a minute, the low, do we really, does, do, is there really a legal presumption that we someone does not guard something that's not, that's in their friend's hand, that belongs to them? But how could that be? So now we're on Chagiga Chaf Amud Beis 20b, Fahatanya, but didn't we learn in a Brisa? If you hired donkey drivers or workers who were carrying your pure items, your tahor items, then we say that even if he distanced himself from these workers over a mill, more than a mill, um, which is a distance between 3,000 and 4,000 feet, your pure items remain pure, ritually pure. In other words, we don't assume that although they're no longer in your hands and they're in the hands of your workers who um, – who, and um, we don't assume that they have become Tameh. However, if you, even, though, even though you may not have seen them, have seen the, them the entire time because of the distance that was placed between you and your workers – but v'im amar lehem. But if you said to them lechu, go ahead, v'ani avo acharechem, and I will come, I will follow you later. So it's not just that you happen to have distanced yourself, or you happen to have been held back a thousand feet or something like that. But rather, you specifically told the workers, I'll catch up with you later. Kivin shenis almo einav mehem. Then we say that as soon as they disappear from the owner's view, taharosav tameos. The the tahor items, the pure items, become tame, become impure. So now the question is, is if you think that a person, an owner, the assumption is, is that he does not guard that which is not, that which is in his friend's hands or his colleague's hands, then what's the difference between the first case of this Bryce and the second case? 
even in the first case where there happens to be a distance that ends up happening between the owner and the workers, even in that case, the moment the owner is no longer, the moment, I'm sorry, the moment the articles transfer to the hands of the workers, they should no longer be considered guarded by the owner and should therefore immediately become tame impure. So he answers as follows: Amar Rabbi Yitzchak Nafcha. Rabbi Yitzchak Bar Nafcha answers: Reisha b'metaher chamarav upoalav lakach. No, the brisa, the first case in the brisa, where we say that the articles remain pure, is actually a specific case where the owner purifies his donkey drivers and his workers before they work for him. Right, so they he makes them go to the mikvah before they work with him, and that's why. The, that's why the articles don't become tame. So certainly, once you we, we cannot assume, we do not though there is a legal presumption that when something is not in your hand, it's we assume you are not guarding it. And the reason in this case that once it gets into the workers' hands, the articles remain pure is because you had specifically required your workers to go to the mikvah before handling those items. So therefore, even if they do touch them, um, they will still remain pure. Now the Gemara says, wait a minute, if so, if this is a, if the Bryce's first case is a case where you make your workers go to the mikvah before handling, say then so too in the last case. Um, we're not obviously both cases of the Bryce are going to be cases where they are going to have the same context, which would be which we're now establishing as you made them go to the mikvah, you made them purify themselves before working for you. If that's the case, then then so too in the second case. Um, even when you told them go ahead and I'll come I'll catch up with you later, even in that case the articles the whatever it is that they're carrying should still be tahor should still be pure, because you required them to go to the mikvah. So for that the Gemara answers ein am haaretz makbid al maga chavero. So we answer that um, no, a a a somebody that is not learned. An am ha'aretz, somebody who's not careful with tuma and tahara, with purity and impurity, we say that he's not careful or particular about contact by his fellow am ha'aretz. So in this case, in the second case, even though the boss made or the owner made the workers um, um, go to the mikvah, um, because they are not afraid that they're that um, they they still won't have any. They won't be worried about um, allowing other people that are not careful of Tumantara to touch these things. And they're not going to be worried that the owner is going to find out because the owner specifically said, I'll catch up with you later. So that's why there's a difference between the first and second case in the Brisa. Okay, so now we're going to continue asking questions. Ihachi, Reishanami. Now, if this is the case... Why, then in the first case as well, in the first case as well, the first case of the Brisa, we should say that the articles should become tame, should become impure once you once they transfer to the hands of your workers. In other words, why even though we say that once there's distance between you and the workers, the owner and the workers, wouldn't we then just say that the workers are no longer going to be careful because they see that their their boss has fallen far behind and they'll just keep a lookout and they will be completely comfortable allowing the articles to come in contact perhaps with somebody that's not pure, not ta- tahar, 
um, and in the, in, until they until they see that their boss is rounding the corner and sees that they, they're ca- he's catching up. So why don't we say that? So he answered, "Bevalahem The response to that is is that we're talking about a scenario where there's de- different ways from which the owner can catch up to them, and therefore they can never be sure that the owner won't just pop up. Um, it's not that there's just one way and they have to just look down that street and see that the owner is not coming yet because there's maybe there's multiple ways that the owner could catch up and therefore they're not going to take any chances. But if that's the case then, in the Brisa's second case, why don't we say then that the articles should still be pure? Because... Even though the owner told them, I'll catch up with you, I'll follow you and catch up with you later, if there are many different ways to, from which he can catch up, then you would think that they would be, um, that you think that they would still be nervous that perhaps this owner will catch up to them um, uh, um, and, and they won't know and it will take them by surprise and therefore they'll be extra careful. So we answer no. Kivin da Amr being that the owner had told him, or the boss had told him, go ahead and I'll follow you later, they are confident that he will not come for at least a little bit of amount of time, that he will be lagging behind for a little bit of time, and during that little bit of time where they feel absolutely confident, that's when we have to worry that perhaps the, the articles were touched by somebody that should not have touched them. Okay, so now we're going to uh, begin the Mishnah. Um, the third parak of Chagiga. Again, we're on 20b, and we're going to start the Mishnah. And what we're going to talk about in this Mishnah is the difference in the degree of sanctity between Kodesh, sacrificial foods, and Truma. Truma, the gifts that we give to the Kohen. And um, we're going to mention, I think, 11 different um, 11 differences between Kodesh and Shuma that show the significance with which we attach to Kodesh more so than Shuma. So let's do it. Chomer by Kodesh Mubit Shuma, the stringencies of Kodesh over Shuma are as follows. Shemat bilim kalim besoch kalim le Shuma avalola Kodesh. If you have two vessels that need to be purified in the mikvah, um, we say that um, you can put the smaller one inside of the bigger one um, into the mikvah like that for truma, but that you have to separate them if you want to purify them to be used for kodesh. Secondly, the second one, achorayim v'soch uves hatstiva b'truma avaloba kodesh. This is an interesting one. Let's say you have a vessel, and this vessel um, can be different parts of it can be used for separate things. So let's say you have a vessel that has an outside and inside, and it's savita. We'll talk more about what its savita is in the Gemara, but what we're saying is, is that is that each part of the vessel can be used for their own things. So that would help you look then at this vessel as two or three separate vessels. So what we say is, is that we can look at it as two or three separate vessels as far as truma is concerned for the sake of eating truma. And therefore, if one part of this vessel became impure, we we don't say that that impurity transfers to the other part of the vessel because we can look at it as a sep- separate vessel, but we do not do that for Kodesh Shava. Loba Kodesh, we don't look at it as two separate vessels for Kodesh. Um, number three, Hanosei es Hamedris. If one is carrying a medris, and if you recall, a medris is 
the word that we use to describe an article which support which supported the weight of a specific type of tummy person, a zav, a zava, or a nida, which are all impurities, ritual impurities that come from specific um, emissions from the body. So what's if somebody is carrying a medris, no seyasachuma, they can carry something they can carry chuma at the same time. They just have to make sure that they don't touch. Avaloa Sakodesh, however, you're not allowed to carry um, a medris and kodesh and sacrificial food together at the same time. Okay. Um, let's go further. Number four, big day ochle chuma medris la kodesh. This one we know about. The garments of those who eat chuma, who have purified themselves for the sake of eating chuma, um, are still considered impure on the level of a medris for those who eat kodesh, for the sake of eating kodesh. Number five, locha midas hakodesh midas hachuma. The, the, the mida, the rule of kodesh, is not like the rule of chuma when it comes to chatzitzas. When it comes to chatzitzas, what is considered a barrier um, as far as the mikvah is concerned, when one either goes to the mikvah themselves or puts an article into the mikvah, there cannot be any separation between the article and the mikvah itself. So for instance, if you have a thick sticker on your article on a pot and you want to put the pot into the mikvah, you have to make sure that that sticker is removed so that there's no barrier between the water and the vessel. So now what we're saying is, is as follows. When it comes to chatzitzas, when it comes to this barrier rule, chuma and kodesh are different. Sheba kodesh, because in the case of kodesh, matir, you have to untie the knots because even though the knots we're specifically talking about in this case are not tight in a way that will that will make it so that parts of the parts of the string will not end up will, will will not end up being in direct contact with the water. You still have to untie the knots because because there are scenarios where knots can act as a barrier. Um, so be out of concern because this looks like a, a case where there could have been where it could have acted as a barrier we make you untie the knots gave and you have to dry the garment if you're if you have to dry a garment um, if it's wet for kodesh if you want to use that garment for kodesh before putting it into the mikvah the reason for that is is because when a garment is wet um, the even though in this specific case in the Mishnah, um, it's really not a problem, but because there is a scenario where you have a wet garment, it can the garment can swell, which then can result in the garment becoming bunched up. And this bunching up can sometimes act as a chatzitza, can sometimes act as a barrier to the water. The bunching up will cause part of the garment not to be in direct contact with the water. And even though in this scenario there, this doesn't exist, but the fact that there is bunching up um, makes it look like a like a scenario where there is a problem of bunching up that leads to chatzitza, that leads to a barrier. So for kodesh, you have to untie these knots, umenagev, and dry off, dry the garment until it's dry, umatbil, and then put it into the mikvah. Kosher, and then you can retie it. Whereas Ubachuma, whereas for Chuma, kosher, you can tie the knots first, the Akakach Matbil, and then immerse the garment. Okay, number six. 
Kalim Hanigmarim Batahara, vessels that were completed in a state of purity. So again, when you are making a vessel, it cannot contract ritual impurity until the finishing touch. Only the moment that it becomes a vessel can it then um, become uh, tummy, can it then contract tuma, ritual impurity. So what we're saying is, is that for um, that, that as far as vessels that were finished off in a state of tahara, in a state of ritual purity, they still require immersion to be used with kodesh, but that is not the case with truma, to be used with truma. We'll talk more about that. This is um, number seven. Um, a vessel combines that which is in it with regard to kodesh, but not for truma. So if you have a couple of pieces of food inside of a vessel, and one piece of food becomes tame. For um, if we're talking about kodesh food, then the rest of the pieces inside of that vessel also become tame, even if they're not touching each other, which is not the case for kodesh for truma. Number eight, haravi ba kodesh pasul. There's such a thing as a ravi when it comes to kodesh, a ravi latuma, but not such thing as a ravi latuma when it comes to truma. Hashlishi truma for truma, it's only a shlishi, it's only a third. So we've spoken about how something, you can have a major source of tuma of impure ritual impurity, and then that can be passed on, and that can be passed on, and that can be passed on. And basically what we say is, is there are some circumstances for Kodesh where you can even create a fourth passing on, um, thereby making Kodesh impurity, whereas for truma, uh, impure, whereas for truma, the, 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 the furthest that tuma can go is a third passing on. Okay, number number nine. Uva um, truma. When it comes to truma, achas If one of your hands became impure, chaver tatahora. The other hand is still pure. Uva kodesh. But when it comes to kodesh, mat You have to immerse both of your hands. Shahayad metame is chaver taba kodesh. Because one hand makes its uh, makes your second hand tame impure. When it comes to kodesh of alo truma, which is not the case for truma. Um, and then we have number. Um, 10. You can eat dry foods with contaminated hands in the case of Chuma, Avaloba Kodesh, but not with Kodesh. The basic idea here is that for food to become ritually impure, they need to be wet, it needs to be moist, it needs to be wet. So what we're saying is, is that um, even if your hands are contaminated, are impure, or contaminated, you as long as they're um, as long as the food is dry, you can use your you can eat that food with your hands, which you're not allowed to do when it comes to kodesh. And then number eleven differences, and we're gonna elaborate on these in the Gemara. kipurim. If you have an onen, <coughs> so this is if one of your seven closest relatives passes away um, before you sit before the before the person is born. You become an onen, not born. I'm sorry. Before the person is buried, you um, you you um, take on the status of an onen, um, and um, that lasts until the person is buried, until the relative is buried, and then you go into shiva. You become a, you become a mourner. And um, what we say is is that a mourner, um, an onen, is not allowed to have kodesh. Is not allowed to partake of sacrificial food. Um, and that is true until nightfall on the day that the death occurred, even if the person that passed away had been buried already during the day. Um, so what we're saying is, um, so that's the first. That's the first case. 
And the second case is a mechusar kippurim. So that's a type of person that was tame, that was impure. Um, and this is the person that needs to go to the mikvah and needs to bring a karban and needs to bring a sacrifice in the evening following immersion in order to regain complete a pure purity status. Um, and and um, so... So that's what a mechusar kippurim is. This is the person that has done the immersion but has not yet brought the korban. So we say tzrichin tevila lakodesh avaloli truma. So um, what we're seeing here is is that um, they need to go to the mikvah in order to be able to eat kodesh, but that's not necessary in order for them to um, eat truma. So that's the, that's the last one. And then we're going to talk a lot more about that in the Gemara. Um, let's just finish up. Let's just finish up um, 21a. Chaf Aleph, Chaf Aleph, Ahmed Aleph. Um, and uh, we're going to talk about the first case that we mentioned, which is the, well, the first difference between Kodesh and Shuma. Bakodesh my time alone. What's the reason that you're not allowed to immerse one vessel inside of a second vessel for Kodesh? Amar Rabbi Ila, Rabbi Ila said, It's because the weight of the inner vessel creates a barrier between the water and the inside of the outer vessel. Um, and now, why would this be allowed then for Truma? So the point here is, is that it's more that it looks like a problem, but it's not actually a problem. Um... So, uh, so what we're saying is, is that we're going to be extra stringent when it comes to Kodesh, when it comes to, um, when it comes to, uh, when it comes to, to, to Kodesh, um, even though it may not actually be a scenario of a problem, because it looks like the problem of a scenario that could have this problem will be more stringent, which we're not going to do when it comes to Truma. But now we ask a question, but wait a minute, wasn't the lit one of the later cases in the Mishnah that talked about a dis- difference between Kodesh and Truma? Um, wasn't one of the later cases because of a barrier to the water. So if that's the case, then seemingly we would infer then that the first case of the mission is not because of a barrier with the water, because if it was, you wouldn't need to teach two separate cases, one at the beginning of the Mishnah and one at the end of the Mishnah, about barriers of water and how we're more stringent with Kodesh and less stringent with Chuma. We would have just taught it all as one case. The Katani Seifa, because we learned in the later part of the Mishnah, it says that the rule for Kodesh is different than the rule for Chuma. Because when it comes to Kodesh, we said that you have to undo the knots, dry off the garment, and, and then put it into the mikvah, and then you can retie the garment. Whereas for Chuma, for Chuma, you could um, tie the knots first, and then you can put it into the mikvah. So we see that was a case that referred to chatzitza, referred to this concept of creating barriers between the waters of the mikvah and the article itself. So how could you tell me then that the first case also has to do with chatzitza? Um, so we answer, reisha v'seifa mishum chatzitza. No, absolutely both the first, the first case and the latter case and the later case of the Mishnah both have to do with barriers in the mikvah. Utsricha, and why do we have to teach both cases? Because each one teaches us something novel. Diashmin and Reisha, if we only taught the first case about immersing one vessel inside of another, Hava Amina Hainu Taima de la Kodesh Lo, I would have thought 
that the reason a vessel cannot be immersed with another vessel inside of it for Kodesh is Mishum Kvedo Shalkleda Ika is because of the weight of the inner vessel, there being the existence of an inner vessel that whose weight will press down too much on the outer vessel and will create a chatzitza. Avaseifa, but in the later case, the one about the knot in the garment, the lake where it's not a scenario where there's a weight of an inner vessel to create a chatzitza, then perhaps I would have said that for Kodesh too, then did not does not is not considered a chatzitza. So therefore we had to teach the later case because it's a novel idea that we wouldn't have known from the first case. And if we only taught the second case or the later case about chatzitza, the knot in the garment, Havamina, I would have thought, Hainu Taimo de la Kodeshlo, the reason in that case that for Kodesh you have to untie it is Mishum is because de Kitra Bamaya Haduke Mahadek, a knot in water becomes very tight and therefore can become as a barrier. Of Aresha, but in the first case, Demaya Akpuye Makbule Lamana, since water actually makes a, a vessel inside float. You would have thought that that's not going to be a case of chatzitza. That's not going to be a case of a barrier for a kodesh. So therefore, the first case also had a novel concept that needed to be taught. Sricha, therefore, we had to teach both cases in the Mishnah, both of them having to do with chatzitza. Okay, we'll stop here at the top of Chaf Aleph Amud Beis 21b. Um, take good care.